Greetings, parish orphans and retrogrades. Today, I'm going to be talking about fear and trembling, the topic with which Soren Kierkegaard dealt with in an effective Protestant Christian manner over 200 years ago. And yet I think we can do better. I think we can take on fear and trembling, the concept of anxiety in a Catholic way and in a in a fa- efficacious way that, that will make uh, all of the, the postmoderns that have treated of this topic from the 1800s, especially in the late 20th century, uh, blush because there's a more effective approach that has been elected to be neglected over those 150 years that comprise the advent of psychology. Today with me to talk about this is someone that's become an expert on the subject, Patrick Coffin. How are you, Pat? Uh, wow, an expert in anxiety and fear. Thanks, Tim, question mark. <laughs> Great to be with you, sir. Uh, it's funny, you you were on my show talking about how to beat anxiety, and here we are uh, talking about the same thing, because it's not going away. There's like a giant pall, right? A giant funeral pall over the world, it seems. Uh, the news gets from bad to worse, and you and I have talked about this off the air. A few years ago, it felt like we were all galloping toward an abyss. Now it feels like the abyss is galloping toward us. It's something that affects Republicans, Democrats, traditionalists, progressives, liberals, conservatives. Uh, you know, with our 24-7 doom scrolling news and people spending so much time uh, staring at their black, their black phone screen. And uh, it's very bad for your mind. It's very toxic. And so uh, we have to realize that this is this is not something that's that's afflicting only one slice of humanity. There's a thing afoot. Even in 2019, before the the COVID mania hit the world, um, suicidal ideation and depression rates had already spiked. So uh, people who follow mental health issues uh, already saw this alarming increase in all the kinds of mental health challenges not going so well for the sufferers. And then, boom! In 2020, it skyrocketed. Um, some statistics that I've been looking at say it's it's quadrupled since then. So 2021, uh, 22, here we are in 23. And um, the light at the end of the tunnel looks like Hoboken, with apologies to people in Hoboken. Uh, So so people need to to do gut checks about why why are they here on this earth? What's the purpose of life? Um, What are strategies to overcome this kind of darkness, this, um, I call it the shiny darkness? Of, of anxiety. Of course, anxiety is very much uh, comorbid with depression. Um, and so this is something that I think men in particular need to talk about because men are really good at wanting to fix things. We're hardwired to solve problems and build and rebuild and restore. And when the wound is in your own heart, it can be dislocating and disorienting and frankly scary to feel like you've lost you've lost the narrative thread of your life. I think this this goes to the way Adam, Adam Lane Smith is a terrific uh, therapist and expert in attachment issues. And he says, most psychotherapy is, guilt, is built toward women when it comes to depression. Women's, women need uh, emotional support, encouragement, um, someone to come alongside them and offer them, hey, I understand what you're going through, which is fantastic. Men need a purpose. If a man finds his purpose, he'll crawl over glass smiling to get it done. And so when men feel like they've lost the narrative thread of their life, they're used to being on the tarmac. They're used to being on the football field playing in the game. Now they feel like they're up in the stands and they're watching someone else's game and they're just barely a spectator. 
And so um, that's why I'm really glad you're talking about this with me. Well, you have an upcoming event that is utterly relevant. And, and I want to talk to you about that a little bit later in today's episode that, that I think is antidotal in terms of uh, it, it's got wide appeal. And everybody out there struggles with one form of anxiety or another. So I want to I want to talk about that in a second. But there, there are two dimensions that I really wanted to talk to you about after we did our last show on Coffin Nation, Pat. And the first one is is this. It's that just just as a as a personal thing. It's, I told I promised people this would be anecdotal, and at the end, antidotal because we'll we'll provide some some hope. Hope is fuel, right? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So here's the thing. People can, can on Super Jets can ask me or you anything. I, I don't do this super often and I want, I want people to know that. But the first dimension that I'm going to launch into unless we get some really, really personal brain busters coming over the Super Chats is they, ex- they describe anxiety as <clears throat> the shrinking of horizons. And I can feel this phenomenon happening to me on a really anxiety-ridden day. People will say to me, Tim, you've been canceled everywhere, disinherited, kicked off Patreon, lost in-person jobs, kicked off this and that social media. This is fearless. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a couple, maybe in a couple realms, may, maybe other people struggle with, with fear in that way. But all it takes is one, uh, one realm where fear hits you between the eyes or in the heart. And the second you feel it taking over, your horizons contract. Your day, whatever you plan to do for that day, you feel it, uh, the list of those ambitions shrinking because you're like, I have to tend to this. I just have to nurse this wound. And I can almost literally, not literally, but almost literally feel my day shrinking, my horizons shrinking, my ambitions uh, uh, contracting. And it corresponds directly with what you said. So that's the first dimension. Would you say a word on that? Why does anxiety and fear strike at our ambitiousness as men so so much? Our ambition in terms of what we wanted to accomplish for the day. Uh, Tim, you're opening up a lot of important doors here onto uh, hallways we need to walk down. The first thing that comes to mind is that when men feel anxious, uh, fearful, or depressed, they interpret that very often as, oh, here's a problem I, now I need to fix. But this is not an external problem. This is not a widget. This is not about uh, sandpaper or something building. It's not even a math problem. It's a problem uh, of subjectivity. And uh, I like your characterization of the the shrinking horizons. It's like uh, depression and anxiety uh, move all the walls closer and closer and closer. And so you, you, you wake up uh, each day and if if the day is more than 50 or 51% bad, you start to ask your, your question, what, why, what, what, what does this matter? Now, that ha- that's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, there's the, the negative sense of that, what does this matter? In other words, life's not worth living. It's all meaningless. Um, but the, the flip side of that, the blessing of it, is that you begin to live life more uh, essentially. I'm saying this uh, in light of the book by Greg McEwen whom I do not know, but the book's fantastic. It's called Essentialism, the Disciplined Art, uh, the, the Disciplined Pursuit of Less, it's called. So 
sometimes a bout of uh, whether it's uh, dysthymic depression or um, uh, uh, bipolar or just run of the mill anxiety, you begin to call things that don't really, really matter because they're not helping you self care. And so um, self care is something that men, I think, have a hard time with because it sounds like you're being a wuss. Oh, Mr. Self care. Remember the Stuart Smalley? Um, uh, parody on Saturday Night Live. You're good enough. You're smart enough. Al Franken. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me neither. And so um, this is why the, my, my spiritual father, Archbishop Sheen, named his show Life is Worth Living. That's, that's the kill shot. That's the antidote to, to all mental illness, that no matter what it is, it's still worth living. And uh, to me, the, the presence of anxiety in the human heart is one more proof, if the headlines weren't enough proof, that the Catholic dogma of original sin is true, that our natures are fallen, our intellects are darkened, our, our wills are weak. And so uh, what was God's response to that? It was to enter into our human experience so that our horizons are his horizons in the person of Jesus Christ, the Logos, the, the God-man, who could have saved us by a card trick. He could have come down and announced on the shore of the um, Jordan River as he's being baptized, I hereby announce the salvation of the world. And right. that would have been enough. So why did he go through the betrayal of Judas and the, the baying mob aided and abetted by the Sanhedrin? Why did he allow himself to be betrayed and sweat blood and be tortured and murdered so that he can enter into all of our experience? The most abject terror where we feel abandoned and his words on the cross. I think Tim, you and I were talking, we're talking right now in Lent, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Those are now permitted words because he baptized them. He, he lifted them from Psalm 22, which has this right. great resurrection theme at the end. And so it doesn't mean you're shaking your fist at heaven. It doesn't mean you're doubting God's existence. It's asking if you're, you're a good father. And yet I'm, I'm, I'm suffering a lot. Why is that? And that, I think, goes to when, when St. Paul says in the letter to the Philippians, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. He doesn't say, work out your salvation in a hammock listening to Perry Como, right? <laughs> so yeah. he, he, knows that the, he knows that anxiety is part of life. And look at the stuff that St. Paul went through. If I had to take one lash of the 39 lashes, I would be in semi-fetal for an hour, right? He went through that four times. He casually mentions this shipwrecked, beaten, pummeled, stoned. So there's a guy who knows anxiety. Yeah. He, and St. Paul also, they think he had uh, crippling stomach problems, whether it was what we would call IBS or IBD today. Uh, you need an x-ray to tell the difference, but he would have that in like a, essentially a large skiff crossing over the sea without a heating pad, without dicyclamine which every, every uh, sore stomach sufferer knows well. And he would just have a job to do, uh, probably seasick in a boat, in addition to having a cripple, crippling pains in his stomach. He, he had every reason to mm -hmm. be a wuss if he wanted to. No Wi-Fi? None. Yeah, or, or he, wasn't, he didn't even have 4G, right? You know, 5G was a twinkle in the eye of Apple. Yeah, so I mean, th this kind of brings me to in some sense, you're talking about the, the original words of uh, Kierkegaard's essay, Fear and Trembling, coming directly out of the Pauline epistle. What, what gets me that I kind of already mentioned the second dimension of it, fear 
anxiety that is so, so crippling, particularly for someone that's got a little bit of OCD. And I'll, I'll confess, I, I have a little bit of this, a touch of it. Even if you're brave in area after area, like, like people are too flattering, you know, I'll, I'll get written emails or Patreon messages and people are like, oh man, you just go through, lose a job, lose this, lose that, get canceled and march right through it. This is like, you know, someone said to me the other day, it's like the Teflon Dawn. Yeah, that stuff doesn't, that doesn't trigger my fear. It never has. Back when I was young and uh, thought I was indestructible, you know, would, would get in street fights without thinking about it. I, that, that just never triggered my fears, tri- fear of men, but fear of death and fear of sickness particularly after my first daughter was born mm-hmm. that I have way more fear than a lot of those people that are saluting my fortitude over the airwaves. So all it takes is one zone where you get sucked in and it's like a black hole, isn't it? You you could be very fortitudinous in 999 out of the thousand ways and it can still ruin your day. All it takes is one area where you have a kind of crippling fear or anxiety and I'll say, hey, Steph, would you look at this? Steph, could you feel this? And uh, that coupled with a bit of obsessive compulsive, and you could get you could get stuck for hours, uh, you know, checking under your tongue, feeling feeling parts of your body if you have the 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 bodily fear. So, mm-hmm. what I've asked you before, friend to friend, is what do you do? What what do you do like personally? When you feel pretty brave in every other area, but it takes this one area you're weak and everyone's is different or there are categories and mm-hmm. you're, you're just burning all of your masculine energy and all of your time and all of your energy, your, your uh, capability to lo- even love your family. It takes away from everything. Well, how do you deal with that? And I think the best thing you, you said to me uh, as the lady psych- psychotherapist was um, the first step is knowing that the fear can't actually hurt you. That, that helped me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fear is a belief and beliefs can be changed. Um, the kind of the sensation that fear can produce uh, is disturbing, but it's not dangerous. And I think that from a Catholic perspective, the devil loves for us to major on minors. If you can get us distracted by the shiny metal object over there, that really doesn't add up to anything. Perfect. Cause we're off our game. Cause we we're, we're made to, to um, live out this mission to spread the kingdom of God, to make disciples, to not have sterilized sex, to, uh, you know, bring logos and order wherever we can and to be kind along the way. And so if uh, we can be distracted by whether it's an, an OCD loop pattern or um, a kind of a neurosis of hypochondria, well, perfect. You can almost hear the devil cackle because we're, our, our, our eyes are off the main, are off the main thing. And that's the main thing is to be focused on the main thing, which is seeking first. I love the, the words of Jesus are so simple, right? That you can have a hundred PhDs, but you can't beat the, the seven-year-old purity of seek first the kingdom of heaven. And then all these things will be added. Um, uh, again, back to Bishop Sheen, he, def- he has this funny way of distinguishing uh, psychosis from neurosis. Uh, a psychotic person says two plus two is five. Uh, a neurotic person says two plus two is four, but he's disturbed by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. And true. Yeah. Or it could just be a very badly educated person that says two plus two is five. But um, when 
One, it's just a number. Can't we be friends? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can't, can't we agree to disagree? Can't, isn't my truth really that two plus two can be five? Um, Pat, in Luke's gospel, uh, we have the fouls of the air passage. And one startling but predictable factoid from, from Gordon blood history and, and uh, predispositions family history pedigree is what my one of my daughters one of the twins has taken in third grade to a kind of a very distinctive kind of crippling anxiety and i i read to her from the gospel the other night the fowls of the air when jesus uh says behold the fowls of the air for they sow not neither do they reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feedeth them. Actually, this is Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter six, verse 26. And I was telling her, actually, the, the purpose of this passage is not just Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not St. Paul, which is always more comforting me. The words of our Lord saying, the Lord, the heavenly God does not want us to worry. He, he wants us not to worry. He wants us to do what we're commanded to do, do what we're put here to do, which is the strong sense of missiology that you imbued your opening statements with. And do them, and sometimes they might be hard, but don't worry about them. If they're hard, go through them and suffer the hardship. But the birds don't worry about how they're going to get their next meal. We shouldn't worry about how we're going to get our next meal. And the Lord loves us a thousand times, a thousand times more than he loves the birds. This has brought me great comfort as an adult, I think my father directed me to this passage when I began crippling worry in third grade, and it didn't help me much then. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm wondering if little little Charlotte, who I, I was reading this to, was uh, given any solace at all. But do you care to say a word about that? I mean, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, Jesus didn't die for the birds. And, and <laughs> so his example of the Heavenly Father caring for the birds of the air and that every hair in our heads counted, it's an enormous consolation. It means that nothing we're going through is a surprise to God. God right. he, he never shows up late, but he wants us to embrace him freely. He does never burst in the door, the door on our hearts, the door handles on the inside. And so sometimes uh, that anxiety can be an invitation to open our hearts up and get out of that hall of mirrors because you can't, as soon as when you and this goes back to uh, you were talking earlier about Claire Weeks, her work. Claire Weeks. Uh, yeah. If you're able to let go of the control of the thing that that's bothering you, that's the beginning of healing. Doesn't matter what the affliction is, could be physical or mental. If you stop trying to control it, then you're set free to do the things you need to to let your body heal. And your your mind is part of your body. It's a mysterious thing. Your soul is not. Your soul is distinct. But there's that mind body connection with with the, the physical brain that is uh you know you know more about aristotle's holomorphic unity uh work than i do but um your body and your mind work together and if your body is sick or your mind is sick god wants to heal both it's funny how when people have the flu they do all the things they need to do to let hopefully to let their body heal rest fluids hot bath hot toddy whatever but then if it's something uh, to do with your, your mental life and that's being handicapped or challenged, we try to control it. Maybe it's the right. taboo of mental illness. I don't know. Well, actually, according to Dr. Weeks, 
face it, accept it, flow through it and let time pass. That's it. You don't need psychotropic drugs. You literally don't need clonazepam or anti-anxiety stuff. That is putting a Band-Aid on what's often a broken leg. I'm not judging people who do, but uh, I'm saying it's, it's short-term. It's yeah. short-term. And you ain't, you ain't giving medical advice, but mm-hmm. everyone in America now acknowledges the hyperdiagnosis of psychotropic drugs. So people consider this. I mean, there's always that uh, if-then statement. Well, if it's being diagnosed, then it might be getting overdiagnosed mm-hmm. to you. Would you say a word, Pat, this also really helped on what Claire Weeks means when she says float through? Like, is this what you mean by give up attempting to control the thing that's making you so anxious? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, this is why activities like uh, ice ice baths and cold showers are really good. Uh, much better than rewarding yourself with a piece of pie or whatever, because the reward is telling yourself in the moment, I'm getting through this. I'm vanquishing this moment by moment by moment. That can that can deliver a little a dopamine rush, which is really great. Uh, rather than say, ah, oh, this is so awful. Thank God at four o'clock I get a piece of pie or some reward. Right. Um, by by having the the vanquishing the challenge in the moment is uh, a much better reward because it's immediate. You're you're giving yourself an attaboy. Uh, what Doctor Weeks means, I believe, by floating through is in the spirit of acceptance that you really can't control it. Okay, I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling anxious. I have these symptoms. I'm just going to walk through it here. I'm just going to enjoy my cup of tea. Um, I'm petting my dog. There's a really good song on. And uh, minute by minute, this is all passing. And I can flow through it. Just imagine yourself on a river. And you've, you've, you've taken yourself out of your, your whitewater rafting raft. Or, or you were thrown from it. You can still protect yourself. You keep your feet in front of you. You can see the trees. You're going down. And um, just float through it. It's a, a lovely metaphor. It doesn't mean necessarily, you know, getting somewhere physically or going from one area to another. It means living moment by moment by moment, realizing, oh, time's passing. Sky isn't falling. I still feel bad. But feeling bad is, is a temporary subjective state. And at this point, I, I want to bring in something that was enormously helpful for me, Tim, and that's the the phenomena when some suffering um, overcomes you, you can better see the difference between you who's suffering and the feelings of suffering. Because no matter what it is, that first person singular I, I have a mind. My mind my mind doesn't have me. I have suffering. My suffering doesn't own me. It's something I'm going through now. So the seat of my personhood, that's the captain. That's you. And even if you can't control your circumstances, you can control your attitude toward them. And that's why all of this ultimately is a battle of mindset. Now, I am a personal substance of an intellectual nature. That's me. And, mm-hmm. and my suffering is predicated of me, right? It's accident. It's incident to me. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like that a great deal. Well, so a, a, few, a few quick plugs. What I want to talk about in the next uh, 15 minutes is hope is fuel. If you mm-hmm. folks out there, parish orphans and retrogrades, go to hopeisfuel.com. 
Patrick Coffin, a great gatherer of folks, both formally and informally. He he's always gathering good people together, even just for text rants. But he also has a very very strong power to gather together good minds that represent a smattering of worldviews relevant to one larger problem. That that's really one of your great strengths, Pat. You put Thank me you. together with so many so many people, and you you got one of my friends, Royce White, for this conference you've put together for March the 18th. Hopeisfuel.com. If Parachorphans and Retrogrades go there, it's it's eight speakers. Royce White is one of many of them. They're they're all experts in their own way. And you can get a discounted rate. Uh, use the coupon code TGORDON10, Parachorphans and Retrogrades. Go to hopeisfuel.com. That is hopeisfuel.com. And take part in this amazing conference. I'm really, really hoping lots of the, the retrogrades out there take advantage of this unique opportunity because there's a materialist determinist bent in psychotherapy. It's telling folks basically the opposite ways of solving their problems with fear and anxiety to the ones that are, are I think, true, the ones that are going to be presented at hopeisfuel.com. So I want to I ask you some questions that'll help to uh, exegete what, what your real purpose is with this conference in a sec, Pat. But first, I want to remind folks to like this video, subscribe, click the notification bell, Leave a comment. If anyone feels comfortable, I don't always ask for specific comments, but leave a comment if you're comfortable denoting the kinds of anxiety that you're riddled with and successful antidotes you've used in the past. Mine mine has always, uh, over the last 15 years anyway, been been body worry for, for myself and my family, the hypochondria. And uh, I'm, I'm always curious, sincerely curious, not this fake YouTube, leave a comment curious, but sincerely curious to hear what other people are struggling with and whether they've gotten through it and how they did, if so. So leave a comment, but like this video, subscribe, click the notification bell. We're trying to get to 50,000 subs by the end of the year, hopefully before even fall begins. Uh, most importantly, also, on the note of practical solutions, what you should all do is get out of your blue state, get to a red state today. I suggest the blood red swath of red states from Texas to Florida. It's what I did. I got from the bluest to the blue to the reddest of the red. And the people to go to are realestateforlife.org, the good folks who are pro-life and mostly Catholic at realestateforlife.org to help you today. Finally, folks have been asking me in by email mainly over social media, how the Patreon uh, debacle's going. I basically got canceled. We're looking into a suit, an, yet another Gordon suit on behalf of religious freedom. Uh, we're still doing that. But if you would still like to support the show, go to Locals in the show notes or Subscribestar. And if you want to make a one-time donation, remember, a man with a large family, it helps us keep the lights on in the house, let alone the show lights, go to timothyjgordon.com and click donate. Okay, Pat, so hope is fuel. You mm -hmm. named it this for a, a reason that, that makes sense to me. Do you, you care to tell us about the etiology uh, of this conference, why you decided to put these folks together? Sure. 
Well, it came from a conversation with my uh, eloquent and brave and brilliant business partner, uh, partner Ryan Moreau. Uh, Ryan obtained the hopeisfueled.com URL back in, I think, 2014. So this idea has been on his mind. And uh, Ryan's been very frank and open about his own anxiety issues. And uh, we met through church circles here in Southern California a few years back. And all of a sudden, our conversations began to gel around this idea of a movement devoted to gathering people together to help the masses of any religious or political persuasion who are struggling with the, with very similar things. And thus, our world's first one, which is happening uh, March 18th, is the inaugural uh, event of Hope is Fuel. Eight mental health experts. We decided to make it uh, clean and simple. It's going to be 8.30 to 4.30 Pacific time. And it's uh, Royce White, former NBA star, ran for um, unseating uh, Ms. Omar in Minnesota, a great, better, yep. fearless, hilarious, insightful, and diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and uh, really worked it out publicly. So a lot of a lot of respect for Royce White. I can't wait to to uh, engage him. He and I are going to do a special uh, Q and A with me and with the people who get a premium ticket. Uh, so that's Royce White, Dr. Peter Bregan, the a conscience of psychiatry. He's been fighting the psychiatric machine for over forty years, and he's been in over one hundred and eighty lawsuits against people like Eli Lilly. It was really Eli Lilly in their marketing and sales department that first identified or associated in the minds of the public depression and serotonin lack or depression and brain in chemical imbalance. And of course, because big pharma is in bed with big tech, if you go to any of the search engines and ask, what is depression or just the word depression, you're going to get Pfizer ads and ads for Zoloft and Prozac and uh, all, they're all the, the entire panoply of psychotropic drugs have successfully been identified with brain chemistry. Well, Dr. Bregan spends his whole psychiatric, uh, his work as a, as a caring doctor of the mind, helping people get off these drugs and explaining that depression is not a lack of serotonin any more than a headache is a lack of aspirin. Depression is a loss of hope. And so you need to find out at what point did hopelessness enter? When did that overtake your, your borders, so to speak? So um, Dr. Bregan at Bregan.com, by the way, I'm always happy to throw traffic at Dr. Bregan, one of my heroes. Um, uh, Dr. Ann Gillies, who is an expert on overcoming childhood trauma and loss. She's from Ontario, Canada, very brave, brave lady, um, very skilled clinician. Adam Lane Smith on attachment issues, how your, your attachment or, or lack thereof with your primary caregiver colors to a great extent the way you're able to attach to a wife or vice versa husband. Um, so many people who are married uh, have the same conversations over and over and over again, the same arguments. Well, if you're, if you're doing that, you may not have a communication problem. You may have an unresolved childhood trauma problem. And so uh, Adam Lane Smith, he's very active on, on Twitter as the uh, Brometheus. Um, he's a treasured presenter at Hope is Fuel. Dr. Mark McDonald, child psychologist, psychiatrist rather from, uh, from Los Angeles, uh, is going to talk about crushing fear addiction. Dr. Leland Stillman from Florida has a, a book called Dying to be Free, in which he explains how you can know that big pharma exists to keep you sick and what to do about it. Uh, free, actionable things you can start right now to turn your health around and to see your uh, mental health struggles 
as an upward spiral, not a downward spiral. Uh, who am I missing? Um, Sounded like. I, yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, I'm, all, I'm all a jumble. It's going to come to me. I'm going to check. Yes. Oh, Dr. Nick Carderas. Yeah. Dr. Nick Carderas wrote Glow Kids and Digital Madness. And this is really interesting. <laughs> he has all of the statistical uh, facts that you need on, on how to, to verify from an objective point of view the invention of the smartphone as a driver of mental health issues, particularly anxiety, and especially among young people, the mimetic desire, the increase of uh, tattoos and, and metal piercings and uh, goth and LGBTQ and the trans movement. It's all through social contagion done through social media outlets mm -hmm. and what you, you can do for yourself and for your kids. So that's Dr. Nick Carderas. And wrapping up, hope is fuel. We have a, an eternal perspective on hope. And that is, I, I still am so pleased that he said yes. And that's Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas. He's going to talk about hope from an, an eternal point of view, the hope that lasts, the hope that's supernatural, not just natural. So if you get a premium ticket, you have access to the live Q&As and uh, you get uh, downloadable uh, coaching tutorials and you can download the whole thing and share it and discounts on future stuff and merch and et cetera, et cetera. So hopeisfield.com. T Gordon 10, I think is the rules for retrogrades discount. Code. Yeah. yeah. T Gordon 10 yep. people, people use it. Go to, if you can open up another window, check out hopeisfuel.com. Now, how, how many hours of the, the day does that go? Pat? Uh, one hour per speaker. So eight in total. So it's, it's a pretty full day. It's going to fly by. And uh, this, could be, uh, this could be a matter of life or death for people on the edge. Because as, as you know, Tim, when you, when you watch a great movie, there's often one moment in the movie that's your takeaway, the thing that you remember seven years later. Sure. It kind of summarizes your experience. And, and that's, that's true of every talk I've ever listened to. Even if it's a, an hour and a half talk, there's one line that jumps out at me and, and kind of captures my imagination and, and is very helpful. So this is eight different versions, uh, different angles on a problem of hopelessness, anxiety, and depression that I, I think it's going to resonate. Even the, 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 um, the main landing page there, I think most of your audience is going to strongly identify with this as something that they've been waiting for. I am. I'm also, I'm also a recipient. I'm also going to learn along with everyone else as I uh, guide them through the Q&A sessions. So we're very, very jazzed. We're already planning our next one, which is going to be Hope is Fuel Sheepdog Edition for the 4th of July weekend in support of military and law enforcement. So it's going to be a movement. It's going to be a podcast. It's going to be live events. But our first one is this, this one day on March 18th. And I hope to see uh, retrogrades and parish orphans there in great numbers. I, I don't know why, but I've always been oddly skeptical that there's this conceptual nexus between the macroscopic and the microscopic. When we talk about all the wacky stuff wacky and really evil and startling stuff that's happened over the last five years mm -hmm. really since 2016 i i count the beginning of my awakening from dogmatic slumbers being uh, you know the week of the 2016 election we learned you know the wikileaks dump when we learned about marina abramovich and the the truth mm -hmm. of what the elites are doing behind the scenes in terms of witchcraft not just statecraft but witchcraft fueled statecraft. And I I would say in the over the course of the last six and a half years, that would be 
one can say what used to be a conspiracy theory is, as Michael Knowles says, separated only from, from being recognized as a reality by about six or 12 months. And that is startling. And that does, even though it's macroscopic, it adds to the, the bucket of tears, right? You have one little bucket drop at a time of anxiety and the anxiety uh, in causing chemicals that come, go in your bucket. And then if you get a big dump, half a gallon dump of anxiety from macroscopic events, the state of the world, the state of the country, the state of your state, probably if you guys, too many of you live in a blue state, it all goes in one bucket. And at the point of overflow, this is the way a psychotherapist described it to a young Steph Gordon once when she was, uh, she tried the deterministic psychotherapeutic route. He said, it's like a bucket and you get a panic attack or an anxiety attack when your bucket's overflowing. It's a simplistic model, but I think it's, it's helpful. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, there's this real nexus between we have no good spiritual father in the church in the form of the Papa. There, I mean, we, we were left by Benedict. Yeah. I, I know what you think about Francis. Obviously I, I, I have a different perspective on Francis, but it's in some ways worse than not having a father, having a, an abusive father. Most of us have a, a similar situation, a comparable situation with our bishops, our sort of local papa. Uh, too many people have strained relationships with their bio fathers. Most people out there are running around under-rested, under-prayed, you know, filled up with with processed foods and all that. I'm I'm not super crunchy on on the foods, but it's true. We're we're really running ourselves ragged, and it's a combination, some conflation of the macroscopic and microscopic. Would you just talk for for half a second, Pat, about how hope is fuel because of the natural variegation of the topics, speaker by speaker, with these seven or eight talkers, how? It's going to have something for everyone. I mean, it's going to address everything I just said, from the macroscopic to the very microscopic. Well, Tim, you've just given me a new a new way to describe it. Um, people often say, "Oh, Catholic means universal." Well, that's one way to say it, but "katholikos" in Greek means "of the whole." It refers to the action of yeast in dough. So the Church acts in the world as yeast does in dough. So every country, every culture, every language, every uh, cultural matrix is potentially Catholic because Logos is is uh, order and speech and reason. And so we're all made to receive Logos. We're all made to hear the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he died for our sins. It doesn't matter who you are. You're made to hear that, to that, that word, uh, that message. And if you embrace it, then it changes your life. And now you have an exit out of the doldrums. Now there's wind. Now that you're, you know what the sail is, you're waiting for the wind to take you somewhere on this great adventure. If you don't have that, if your bow is broken, if there's, you're in the doldrums and if you don't even know that you have a sail, then you need to pay attention to the, the still small voice that says there's something wrong here. I don't feel the way I did about myself. I want to get back to what I know is a happier, a happier place. And so this longing for the father is universal also. This is not just a conservative liberal thing. You're pointing out something very profound, that um, there's a fatherhood wound, and it's caused a crisis in masculinity. 
Why do, why do you think we have this trans mania? Why are, why, why are we even saying, why do I have to say the words on Twitter, trans women are not women? The nonstop propaganda for things that would have been uh, laughable 50, uh, five years ago is, uh, is stunning. But I think that, the, that macro in some ways is a synonym for micro. The architecture we produce, the music that we, re- that we enjoy, that we write, that we make popular, that we pay for, the literature that we consume, the art that we create, the music, not only music, but uh, say painting, all the arts are the externalizations of the soul. So if, you're, if your soul is ugly, if your soul is wounded and confused and disordered, you're going to have disordered architecture and ugly buildings. Even your churches are going to be pug ugly because you've lost the, the source of capital B beauty. And so people used to come to God because of the order of the universe. Now they're coming to God because of the disorder of the universe. And uh, all, all of the Hope is Fuel speakers have, have different angles on this essential truth. We have secular speakers. We have Jews. We have Christians, Catholics, Protestants. Because this is not a, a, a doctrinal thing that's going to be solved with, well, just look it up here. Here's the, here's the magisterial response. We all have a human nature. It's all fallen. And there are tools that everyone can learn starting today to turn that downward spiral into an upward spiral. And that's why we put it together. And um, that's why I, I think it's going to resonate. It certainly did with me when I started talking about this with, uh, with, uh, with Ryan and our team. And uh, it's, it's an honor to almost watch it unfold before our eyes because people I've never had, I've never done anything so far in my so-called career where the feedback is like, I've been waiting for this for a long time. How do I sign up? I've, right. I've been secretly struggling with this and I haven't really told anybody. Yeah. I mean, this is what I, I wanted to give people the chance to, to ask us through super chats or whatever. Like, are you guys, come on, Patrick, Tim, are you, do you guys really struggle with this? And the answer is yes. I mean, you and I are, are close personal friends and we, we've talked, about, you know, one, one, one time a week at least, if not two. And I remember last summer, we were talking a lot about anxiety and particular kinds of anxiety. I think we we're talking about hypochondria with which both of us have struggled on and off in the past. And it's like, look, this is, this is real. No one gets out alive. AJ Barker, who was my last guest on my last show, told me the other day, I think it's insightful, and I've conceived of this notion before, that I am such a night owl, I put off going to sleep, even watching one more episode of Frasier or whatever, because I have an unresolved conflict with death. And I've told Steph, I think that's what it is, not wanting the day to end, the light to go away. I, I, I buy that. And... Everyone has something and no one gets out alive. And in in some sense, I'm not a universalist. I'm not much of an ecumenist, but we are all in this thing together. And it makes sense that at Hope is Fear, you have people that are being brutally sincere in the sense of candor, like, hey, I struggled with this. And that's why I became the expert in this. You struggle with X, you tend to care about X. That's how human remediation works as a process. So you have seven or eight people that are experts that know the ins and the outs, the a priori solution, because they knew so well the a posteriori daily struggles entailed by a certain type of fear. And I, I just think I, I wanted to give people the opportunity 
I, I'm sure you'll you'll have this with the conference itself on March the 18th. But I wanted to give people the opportunity to now ask us, say, is is this is this real? Are you guys actually? Why do a show on what? Are, what are the Catholic podcasters we know of besides uh, Tim or Pat, or kind of branch out and start talking pop psych or whatever this is? Well, because this is very important and it's it's related to being human. And I, I care about all things related to being human, you know? I've learned a lot from a Protestant minister and writer named Gordon Dalby. Shout out to Gordon. Uh, his website is abbafather.com. He's not part of this Hope is Fuel, but I've, I've interviewed him before. And uh, he writes with a real sacramental understanding of human nature and, and our need for the Father. And I, I learned his definition of a real man. It's, it's a tautology, but I still like it. It's, it's like a Buddhist koan, like a little puzzle. And uh, it resonates with me. He says, a real man is a man who's real. Not fake bravado, not false compassion, not, not a simp, not a feminist, but real. And not a nice guy. We could do a whole show just on, on the nice guy pitfall. Uh, well, didn't, wasn't Jesus a nice guy? Well, no, not really. He was not a nice guy. And we shouldn't imitate the false nice guy, Jesus. Jesus was not afraid to be disliked by mortal enemies. And so, um, yeah, the problem is universal and the solution is universal. And fear, you know, Jesus has a lot of opinions on fear and worry, and they're all negative. So I want to listen to, I want to, I want to imbibe Jesus' opinion on worry. And it's, it's not, he's not impressed by it. And it doesn't, it doesn't help us. There's something enervating and, Anxiety producing. I, I want to try to work this out in real time, just, just as a response to what you just said. There's something enervating about thinking you have to please everyone, which is what these nice guys do. Uh, AJ Barker, again, on my last show, was talking about this uh, Dostoevskyan term, women's prophets. They didn't mean women prophets. They meant women's prophets. The Catholic space, I think even the Protestant internet space is populated largely by women's prophets who tend to be nice guys that, that try to palliate everyone. They want to, you know, they can't, they can't sleep at night. If anyone's mad at anything they said, um, are they males or are they, is this an intergender thing? I think they're mainly males. I think women's prophets are mainly males, at least in the adolescent, which is the Dostoevsky, the forgotten great Dostoevsky novel from which the term comes, uh, uh, women's prophets. And when you try to palliate everyone, then you're going to have an ongoing cycle of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I, there's something to there's something to this because it ties into what you said about the technology. The social media is being able to, you know, presidency by polling. Remember they said about the Clinton presidency. With social media, you can check in a thousand times more frequently. Mm -hmm. You check the temperature. And that's what youths are growing up with. And that's what even guys like you and me who do this for a living on the internet, you could, if, if you drive yourself crazy with popularity, then it's just a new form of Catholic political correctness. And we know Catholic podcasters like this, both you and I, without naming names. It's a lot of them. It's hard to do this and to be like, I'm putting a product out there. I want to feel good about it. I want to feel good about the truth of what I'm saying, the logos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I want people to like it if they like it. But if, if they don't like it, at the end of the day, you're one of the main 
Catholic podcasters that doesn't suffer this form of anxiety, just like me. I, I really relate to being able to say, I'm not a nice guy. I, I, I do care about people, generally speaking, but I am totally comfortable with people not being inspired by something I said, or they, they think I'm too offensive to, to women or whatever. Well, I have a lot, of, there are a lot of women in my audience actually, but it's no one would ever say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a woman's prophet, uh, <laughs> particularly given the case for patriarchy and things. So I, it's something I've always respected about you, Pat, is just, just as a side conversational note, when you put together uh, the other, the beer bug conference, the COVID conference that got yanked uh, like an hour in, you know, the server went down and they tried to interrupt it. That's really what led to you being pushed off of YouTube. And you didn't care. I talked to you like that night and you're like, well, whatever. I, I lost all my YouTube stuff. I'd like to get some of those old videos. I didn't have them backed up, but whatever. Like for whatever kinds of anxiety you suffer, you do not suffer the nice guy double check in <laughs> um, I, and I, I respect that. And I, and I relate to that. That's another one. I, I don't have myself. I'm reminded of my, you're calling me, uh, from, from Bakersfield announcing that, you, that the sky had literally fallen, that you were, you, you were given the golden boot award and you were fired from your, the high school. And I remember thinking this is so great. I can't hold this in. Congratulations. I remember. <laughs> you cannot see this now, but you, this is going to be such an upward bounce for you. It's going to blow your mind. <laughs> You said that he, I mean, folks, he literally, that's literally what he said when he was one of the first people I called. Uh, I, I was notified on screen when I was interviewing, uh, what's his name? Henry Davis, the uh, MAGA, MAGA guy. From, from St. Louis. Kansas. I remember yeah, that. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. That, Steph came in. She's standing right there near the camera. And she goes, you know, you're gone. We, we knew there was a chance. And you just see me like whatever, I'll finish, I'll finish the interview. And then I started calling people and, and you said that, and I knew you'd walk, you'd trod that path. And I, I, we talked about things, conversations you'd even have had with um, our mutual friend, Matthew Marsden. And it's like, look, congratulations. This is, this is what it takes. And I wasn't that bothered for the time. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people get a lot more worried, but I've learned to just be expect this every mm -hmm. couple of years. Well, it seems like this has happened to you about once every two years. And it was kind of startling, even for me, when you got booted off of YouTube. But you just kept going, man. And, and you're doing these conferences that are a major threat to the establishment. I mean, hope is feel. You're just trying to help people. This is a major threat, if the message takes off much, to the big pharma establishment. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just going where I think the where the bleeding neck is. Uh, where's the where's the greatest need, and uh, what can I do? There's a lot of bleeding necks out there. There's a lot of um, problems hiding in plain sight, and no matter what you do, someone's gonna criticize it. You know, you, you know David Goggins stuff. Mm -hmm. No, just from you. David, okay, David Goggins. Uh, it, <laughs> He, he does these, these pithy 20-second videos. He's, a, he's an ultra marathoner with the world's toughest man. He wrote uh, Can't Hurt Me and uh, just a magnificent specimen of, of uh, persnickety grit and, and stick to and endurance. And uh, when he was fat, oh, people made fun of him. He's fat. And then he became this world champion. Oh, there's, there's always some jealousy out there that wants to undermine everything you're doing. You just have to just let the, let the train go forward and let the dogs yap. The dogs can't stop the train. They're just yappy dogs. It's like when you're called a grifter. 
like, how does this work? So a grifter is someone who's making money off of a crisis, I guess, and they go where they think the audience is going to pay them. I was permanently banned from YouTube. I, I after I presented the evidence on uh, Bergoglio's anti-pope, I was insta pariah. I lost speaking gigs. I lost members. I lost friendships restrained, uh, and no one would. With all the name calling, there's only one guy that had the pair enough to have me on a show and talk about it, and that's you. And so people have to recalibrate what they really mean by grifter. And it's just a, it's just a term of art for, for people, I guess, are jealous or if they feel dumb that they're not doing anything. Um, Oscar Wilde famously said that there's never been a critic. There's never been a, a statue erected to a critic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the great closing soliloquy. Uh, it's actually uh, Anton Ego reading his criticism. It's read aloud at the end of the uh, Pixar movie Ratatouille. It's really artfully done letter. And he says, uh, the, the the best thing a critic can do is to be a friend to the new. And the average piece of trash that we critique is worth more than our critique designating it so. It's like critics critics do nothing. The best they can do is to say, I'm going to stand by this thing, even though this thing, which may be really, really uh, may work to the betterment of the world and mm -hmm. human beings. It's new and it gets criticized because human beings are closed minded and, 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 you know, sodden and stupid and, and fallen because of Adam and Eve. I, I it really brings true. And, and yeah, I, I try to do that. You've always tried hard to do that. I will say one, one word just on grifter. It's supposed to mean that you're a con artist. Yeah. And somehow on the Catholic internet, it it doesn't mean that, or even conservative internet, it doesn't mean a con artist. It just means anyone that gets paid for any service. <laughs> like I, I can't think of people say writing books, you're a grifter. Writing books yeah. is yeah, Do Dostoevsky was a grifter, evidently. The, the great yeah. the greatest novel, the great one, Dostoevsky. Yeah. He sold yeah, the, he did write for a publisher, so he must have been a great. I don't know yeah. what the hell they're talking about. I don't think they do either, because if it's con artist. Or I think what they mean, Pat, what do you think? Panderer? There are some some panderers out there in the headspace, and they're not too far afloat from mm -hmm. the, the ones I would designate a kind of woman's prophet. Do you think they just mean panderer? Yeah, it's hard to know what they mean. Uh, I, they're a bit Alice in Wonderland about it. They Words mean what they think they mean, um, especially the, the Twitter sphere is just full of toxic stupidity. Uh, it's like describing a, like a doctor. Like, would you ever say, oh, the brain surgeon that saved my daughter's life, grifter. <laughs> so only in, it, only in it for the money, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I've given, I've forgotten how much free stuff I've given away. And I, I really believe in the power of free. I've got free eBooks and, and um, discounts up the wazoo. Um, if I wanted to, to do something that made me a lot of money, I definitely chose the wrong, <laughs> the wrong path or I'm the world's stupidest grifter. But um <laughs> Yeah, you just have to ignore the the yappy dogs and just ride your train and 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 ask for tracks that go to the right spot. Not the form of fear anxiety that that either of us struggle with, but both of us do struggle with it. Everyone's got something. Hopeisfuel.com on March the 18th has something for everyone. And I want everyone to go there at least check out what what Patrick has spearheaded here. Hopeisfuel.com you can use the coupon code TGordon10 and get a sizable mm -hmm. discount. 
uh, if there's, are, were we getting the super chat questions? I was trying to encourage the, the real personal ones. I'm not seeing, do you see those, Stevie? Yeah, you want to read from the, because they can't hear me. Yeah, I'm seeing, we got we to gotta figure out a way to call these. Agree with I'm not seeing it here. Pat, did you have anything else? Any other plugs you want to to throw out? People people are asking, hey, uh, how's Coffin Nation going? Uh, Hopeisfuel.com is is what you've been throwing your efforts into recently. But do you have anything happening on? Uh, we're we're this is a I'm in a in a life pivot shift um, time right now. A lot of things are in flux, and a lot of things will will be resolved soon. I'm gonna be more explicit about what what's happening but i'm i'm really putting pedal to the metal and making sure that hope is fuel goes off and is a big splash um uh, all my guests are being interviewed now by steve ben on the war room i was on the war room a few weeks ago talking about the conference because people like steve ben and people like tim gordon people who are commenting on the state of the world we're we're like <laughs> sipping from a fire hydrant of bad news Bad yeah. news all over the place. You you help people navigate bad news for a living, Tim. And uh, you need a, a palate cleanser. So that's our vision of Hope is Feel. It's a palate cleanser. A, a yeah, place, yeah. To, just an oasis from the crazy to take a Saturday, Saturday, March 18th, and listen to eight different perspectives, all saying the same thing. Your anxieties are lying to you. Yes. One of the big ones, uh, thank you for the super chat, Eric, said the coming tribulation with kids when you have kids is mm -hmm. kind of nerve wracking. I, this, uh, I'll be honest, Eric, I appreciate this remark because I can be, on, uh, I can be really, really frank, no false bravado. When my youngest kid turns 18, then I, I, I get, I do get quite quite fearless across the board the way i am with i don't care if you cancel me i don't care if i have to fight a guy i did i don't think anyone's gonna pull i never believe someone's gonna pull out a gun but i you know the body fear the sickness fear that we experience so much with abby and the notion of my kids suffering under some totalitarian regime that tries to turn them from the shining path which is really what which is what this satanic uh rising regime beast mode seems to be promising that really bothers me when my youngest kid turns 18 and, and gets married to a, a a good spouse you know whatever whatever if we have seven now Pen, little penny is just not even a year old yet every time steph has a new kid i don't mind telling you guys this eric eric v in particular i i feel I, my hypochondria spikes because like okay i just need I feel like I need T plus 18 years, you know, at the very least, whatever else happens, I can go Braveheart mode. I could go gladiator mode, but I, I feel like I need 18 years plus the date of the birth date of the youngest kid. And that's not really the truth, is it? I mean, that's trying to assert some sort of control. And that, that's why it's scary to have young kids because you really do want them. You want to survive at least till your younger kids 18 and, and I'm, I'm with you. And that's one I'm, I, I I openly confess to you, my friend Pat, and to all of you listening. I sincerely struggle with that because, like, I can't control that. But I don't like that I can't control that. I'm not willing to live in a certain sense in a place where I can't control that. So um, that's a that's a very that's a very 
telling remark and, and hopeful too. Yeah, I don't I don't see a lot of questions here. Folks, I, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap up. I want I want people to feel in these chat the, the live stream chats, I want them to feel okay on a show like this, really saying you say hypochondria, what what kind? Well, you know, when how often do you have flare-ups? Things like that. I, I hope I hope that the hopeisfuel.com conference really gives folks uh the fuel they need to to deal with the general and the general specifics, Pat. So Mm-hmm. everyone has something everyone's got something that that was it, the second yeah. dimension yeah and a lack of uh super chat questions is actually a good sign if we were talking yeah. about uh widgets or or biden or whatever it would be be lit up but this this goes into a realm of the real which lends itself to kind of quiet and thinking about it like when i when i first started as uh i do close-up magic as you know I would get insecure if there was no applause. Not that I needed to be fed by applause, but I wanted a reaction. Like, my gosh. It, but no, <laughs> stunned silence is, uh, is a compliment. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes people just need, to, they need time to connect A to B. Yeah. And there will be a chance to, if you get that premium ticket for $98, but with the discount and so on, we're throwing discounts, discounts galore for this first one. You will be able to participate and ask Royce White. Dr. Bregan, Drs. Stillman, McDonald, Gillies, Cardaris, uh, uh, and so on. So hopeisfield.com, everybody has something. Your anxieties are lying to you. God is love, and perfect love casts out all fear. Pat, I want you to get your badonkadonk to Mississippi at some point. I've been trying to get this guy out to Mississippi for a visit uh, since I left California. I want you to see the, the beautiful forested hills of mississippi sometime soon my friend we we miss you but i see you often enough and talk to you often enough on the phone that that uh we don't miss you too bad but we a miss trip, you. a road trip should be in the works good all right well well god bless uh unless you have any parting shot we'll, we'll get out of here uh thanks for joining oh, me today thanks for your time tim and um uh t gordon 10 is the rules for retrogrades discount saturday march 18th i hope to see folks there yeah, hopeisfuel.com. People, at least go check it out. God bless you all. Everyone out there, I'll be coming with a sea mask episode tomorrow. It's my my turn. We rotate between my channel, Elliot Holse's, Will Nolan's on Nolan Knows, and Michael Robillard's. We skipped one of mine because I was at I was aiding in an exorcist. So this is my first one in seven weeks tomorrow morning. It's it's gonna be good. We're taking on Jordan Peterson and the spiritual but not religious crowd. We're, it's going to be really good tomorrow. I'm looking forward to this sea mask tomorrow morning. God bless you all, Pat. Nice hat. Deus Volt, people. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit.